scripture is from John 14. God willing, we'll finally finish John 14 this morning. We'll look at verses 25 to 31. Please stand for the reading of the Holy Scripture. John 14 and verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father in heaven, we are thankful that you have spoken to us. We pray that you would come and speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would see our good shepherd, hear his voice, and that his sheep would know him and follow him. So meet with us, speak to us, and bless us in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Am I at peace? first verses of John 14, which we studied about a month ago, are more well known than the last verses of John 14, which we are studying today. John 14, 1 is one of the most famous statements in Scripture, the first part of it anyway. Let not your heart be troubled. Everyone knows that Scripture. Let not your hearts be troubled. But now here at the end in verse 27, Jesus repeats it word for word. Let not your hearts be troubled. The disciples' hearts are troubled. Jesus has told them he's going away. He will be betrayed and denied that very night. The tension, the seriousness, the gravity of the evening is in the atmosphere in that room, and it is heavy. And Jesus here tells them once again not to let their hearts be troubled in order to remind them that all he has said in this passage about going to the Father's house to prepare a place for them, about him being the way and the truth and the life and all that he said about loving him and keeping his commandments and having the Holy Spirit, all of that, the point of this information is that we let not our hearts be troubled. And of course, the opposite of having a troubled heart is to be at peace. Look at verse 27, all of it. 
peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And as this passage concludes, Jesus focuses our attention on why and how we can have peace. So am I at peace? You at peace this morning? Let's look at this passage. First, you see in this passage that a believer has peace because he has the Holy Spirit. A believer has peace because he has the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. You know the connection. Jesus says the Father is sending the Holy Spirit upon Jesus' request in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit is coming to them to be with them forever. And now Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. You receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive my peace. The great old English New Testament scholar Dr. F.F. Bruce pointed out that in this section of John Jesus promised his peace his love and his joy to be with his disciples you see in verse 27 he says I, my peace I leave with you my peace you see that verse 27 my peace I give to you now look ahead a page or a half a page to John 15 and verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You see, he's promised my peace. Now he says you'll abide in my love. And then John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Do you see that? My peace, my love, my joy. And Dr. F.F. Bruce pointed out that the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5, you know it, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit and one of the first three things he mentions, love, joy, and peace. And so here in John, Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit and in receiving the Holy Spirit, Jesus is promising his peace, his love, and his Joy. Is that a coincidence? But you see, it is a supernatural peace. Here, Jesus says it is a peace that 
cures the troubled heart, even the fearful heart. And you notice here in verse 27, he says that the peace he gives is not like the peace that the world gives. What kind of peace does the world give? I'll tell you what kind of peace the world gives. Short. It gives a short lived peace. Neville Chamberlain returned from the summit with Hitler where they gave him Czechoslovakia. And Chamberlain declared, I believe we have peace in our time. How did that peace work out? But on a personal level, how does conventional wisdom say to be at inner peace? Be positive. Think positive. Eliminate negative thoughts. Breathe deeply. I hadn't set foot in a bookstore in a long time, but just to go to the drugstore, I see books and magazines that have this word. You see, it says mindfulness. That doesn't mean what I thought it meant. I thought be mindful means be aware of something. Now, I didn't know much about it. You see it everywhere. Essentially, it's a form of pagan mysticism. It's a mental practice to put yourself at peace, free from anxiety. Maybe your heart was troubled, and you tried to think positive, not dwell on the problem. Slow down. Take deep breaths. And that can help for a few minutes, maybe. And then you feel your attempts at inner peace are futile. Jesus knows us. He knows that if we are to fulfill his will, not to let our hearts be troubled, not to be afraid, we are going to need a power from outside ourselves. A supernatural power. The power of the Holy Spirit in us producing what we cannot produce on our own. Jesus says, my peace I give to you. The Holy Spirit producing the peace of Jesus Christ. The same inner peace he produced in the man Jesus Christ. He produces his peace in us. Now one more interesting thing. At least I think it's interesting. We'll move on. Do you remember in Back in verses 13 and 14, we saw it a couple weeks ago, Jesus said that whatever we asked in his name, he would do it. Whatever he asked in my name, I will do it. Verse 14, John 14, 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And you know, we said when we looked at, at it that it does not mean that, that anything and everything we pray for, just say in Jesus' name at the end of the prayer and we're guaranteed to get it. We've all tried that. It doesn't work, does it? 
We've all asked for things, even prayed in Jesus' name. We've not got. But in this same context, Jesus says, we ask in his name. Jesus says there is something or someone that we are given in his name. We ask in his name. There is something we are promised to receive in his name. Look at verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. This is the answer to prayer in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit given in Jesus' name. Now, if you'll turn a few pages back to Luke 14, or Luke 11, excuse me, Luke 11. I want you to see something, then we'll quit turning for the day. At least out of the book of John, we'll quit turning. Luke 11, 9. You know this passage. Jesus says, Luke 11, 9, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, to the one who knocks it will be opened. Almost sounds like he's saying uh, anything you pray for, you're just guaranteed to get it. You want You're tired of driving a Chevrolet, you want a BMW, pray for it. You're going to get it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Look at verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You see, we are a very materialistic people. We want things. We pray for things. We ask for things hoping that those things will bring us true inner peace and satisfaction. Maybe something about our circumstances. And if we just get that changed, we will then be at inner peace. But the truth is, if we're really going to be at peace, we need something much more than that. We need the supernatural intervention and power of the Holy Spirit to produce the peace of the perfect man, Jesus Christ, in our own hearts and souls. You see that a believer has peace because he has the Holy Spirit. Secondly, you see that a believer has peace because Jesus is glorified. Look at verse 28. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now here Jesus makes one of those statements that perplexes. First part of it is simple enough. If you love me, you should be glad I'm going away. Fine. But the why at the end of this verse is mysterious. He says we should be glad he's going away, you see, for the Father is greater than I. Now we know that John teaches us over and over again that the Son is equal to the Father. 
He is not less than the Father. He is God. He is the same as the Father, exactly like the Father. Look at verse 9, John 14 and verse 9. Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So how does Jesus now say that the Father is greater than he is? You know, it would fly in the face of everything Jesus already said if he meant that God, the eternally begotten Son, was in any way inferior or subordinate to the Father. He is not. But in his condition at that time, when he said that, Jesus was in what they call his estate of humiliation. He was incarnate. Well, he still is incarnate, but now he's glorified. He was not glorified then. He was in a human body under the curse. He was suffering. He was headed to betrayal and arrest and kangaroo court before Herod and Pontius Pilate and then to the cross. And the Father is on the throne in glory. The Son for all eternity that had been His glory. That glory the Father enjoyed on the throne, that had been the Son's glory for all eternity as well as the Father's glory. But for now, He's laid that glory aside to take the form of a servant and humble Himself and become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But once He finished His work, He's going back. He's taking his human flesh with him, glorified in an amazing way, but he's returning to the glory he had with the Father before all of that. I said I wouldn't ask you to turn outside of John again, but I want to read you John 17, 5. You can mark it if you want to, but I'll read you John 17, 5. Jesus prayed, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. That's why we should be happy Jesus has gone back to the Father. He's gone back to the greater existence, the more glorious existence than he had on this earth as the man of sorrows. But now let's not forget, Jesus is talking about being at peace. What is Jesus returning to the glory he had with the Father have to do with us being at peace? The prospect of Jesus leaving was the thing that had troubled the disciples. It's the reason they were afraid. Jesus said he's going away. They don't want him to go. And Jesus is saying, no, it's good that I'm going away. We'll see a lot more on that in chapter 16. But for now, it means that Jesus has finished his work, his humiliation and suffering. It's done. It really is finished. John 17, when Jesus asked 
to be once again glorified with the glory he had with the Father before the world was. He says, I have finished the work you gave me to do. The author of Hebrews says that when Jesus had purged or made an end of our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high and that Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now sat down on the right hand of God. It's done. The work is done. He's made an end of our sins. He's purged them and he has gone to the Father to prepare a place for us. He came and took our nature upon himself, which was an act of humiliation. But now he's raised it. He's glorified it. One of the old preachers used to say that Jesus Christ has lifted the dust of the earth to the throne of the universe. The believer has peace because he has the Holy Spirit. He has peace because Jesus is glorified. And thirdly and finally, you see that a believer has peace because the devil has no claim on Jesus. The devil has no claim on Jesus. Look at verse 29. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. You see, he's talking about the devil. The ruler of this world is coming. He's coming after Jesus. But Jesus says he has no claim on me. You know, this is the ultimate peace. You see, the reason we are not at peace in general across the human race is because at the deepest level, the human race is not at peace with God. We are not at peace with God because the devil has a claim on the human race. That's what he did. He tempted our first parents to sin. And from that point on, he has made a claim against us all. He's the accuser. He brings accusations, charges against us before God. And we lack peace, peace of conscience, inner peace, and every other kind of peace because we are under the just judgment of God for our sin. But in Jesus Christ, the devil, the accuser came after a man on whom he had no claim because in him there was no sin. But willingly, he offered himself, the just for the unjust, bearing shame and scoffing rude in my place, Condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. You see, in Jesus Christ, the one who was equal with the Father humbled himself. 
He became flesh. And the scripture says, He who knew no sin became sin for us. And so he could say in that moment, in that condition, the Father is greater than I in his estate of humiliation. And Jesus Christ on the cross experienced the complete opposite negation of peace with God. Complete, utter alienation from the Father. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Complete alienation from the Father. That is what it took for us to be at peace with God. I don't know what's disturbing you, what's causing you turmoil this morning, but you can make peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And when all is said and done, that's the only peace that really matters. you at peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.